Welcome to the Jolt Episodes. This is a feature of the In Awe Podcast meant to give you energy and a boost to look around your world and exercise a signature strength. Between interviews with incredible women who leave us awe-inspired, I will share stories that will prompt you to look around and see the beauty in your own world. I hope you find yourself awe-inspired. Hey, my friends. I'm so glad that you joined me for this Jolt episode. I decided to reproduce for you a blog post that I had written for Jimmy Casas recently in his leadership coaching blog. And the reason I'm doing that is actually somebody literally suggested it to me uh, because it's a topic that I think many of us are struggling with. And I know it's one that continues to challenge me. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to write it because it has been making me think deeply um, every time I've been kind of struggling with my emotions lately. And I wanted to also share with you, it's interesting because I had written this and then I was also listening to a podcast that Brené Brown had put out this week and her Unlocking Us podcast about burnout. And they talked about emotion. And I think that I wanted to pair these two, that recommendation to listen to that episode, as well as my writing, because it's gotten me to think a lot about stress and emotion. And I'm this blog post is about emotional intelligence and understanding, being able to name your emotion and, and basically to uh, work to be aware and to self-regulate as well as regulate those around you. And one of the things that I took away from that particular episode this week from Brené Brown was about finishing a stress cycle. And they give so many good practical tips. And I just want to, you know, have you directed to that episode uh, because it's tied so well to what I wrote about here. So here is a message that I wrote for the leadership coaching blog titled leading yourself first, leave her alone. Three little words uttered from the mouth of my husband recently after I had demanded my daughter log off her computer to come help me with dinner. Three words that elicited an internal volcanic eruption that threatened to blow a hole right up through our roof. You would think the room would have been charged up to ignite the red-hot magma inside, but the actual moment those words left his lips had contained nothing more than the crackling of my patient's circuit breaker that had been popping all day. Feeling the tension rushing inside, I knew I needed to take action to stem it. Just before lava started to spew out my eyes, I grabbed the car keys and headed out the door, noting a hasty goodbye to my family. It was clear to me that the best course of action in that moment was to remove myself along with the impending eruption. I drove to my favorite spot in town, parked, and listened to a song I knew would bring on the tears. As a lifelong expert emotion suppressor, tears are rare here, so I sometimes have to coax them. And as each one fell, they cooled the bubbling anger in a cathartic release. My emotional pressure valve moved a dial closer to release and let out little puffs rather than a blasting heat burst. In those 10 minutes to myself, I was able to process what had been really happening to me, which was a building up of overwhelm that I had not been sharing with anyone. Classic Sarah. I got this as a blessing and a curse in my life, allowing me to withstand substantial amounts of stress and challenge, but also creating conditions where I fool even myself so well that the pressure builds and can burst, usually in ways that end up hurting me more than anyone else. I know this pattern. It's one I've been intentionally working on disrupting for a few years now. Over time, I have learned to notice my emotions, name them, and manage them in healthy ways rather than stuff them down, and I nearly fell back into the old routine with that illustration. Nearly. I don't get it right 100% of the time, but leading myself before I lead others is an important mantra in my life, and I've learned that releasing pressure before I unleash misplaced anger is critical for my mental well-being as well as keeping important personal and professional relationships intact. Can you relate to this scenario? As you were reading my confession of internal emotional struggle, could you picture a time you have relieved the pressure valve successfully? How about a time you unleashed instead of releasing? 
I know you did. The fact is, I can vulnerably share this example because I know I am not alone here. In schools, we talk a lot about social emotional learning. Helping our students to become emotional literate and developing strategies for emotional regulation has become a keen focus across our country, though I suspect, like many other high-profile phrases, some systems are beginning to tag any practice that builds relationships as social emotional in focus rather than the explicit work of building emotional literacy. I have this hunch because in my experiences coaching leaders, leading workshops, facilitating learning in my leadership courses in the university setting, and in my informal discussions, I find a lot of leaders who know the term emotional intelligence, but cannot with confidence define what EQ really means. It prompts me to pose this question. If we are not leading our own emotional literacy and regulation, how can we expect to lead our staff and students in them? In the climate and conditions in which we find ourselves in our schools, our homes, throughout our communities, and in our social circles, possessing high levels of emotional intelligence seems to be at premiums of skills right now. At least we know those competencies are being challenged in increasing intervals in all spaces. Like much of what we do, we cannot lead others to awareness and management if we are not first leading ourselves. In order to be affective, note the word choice, leaders, we need to understand our own emotional intelligence capabilities and work to develop these skills as leaders in addition to ensuring that empathy, once known as a soft skill, is emphasized in our schools. If you're skeptical about the importance of this leadership competency, check out how Travis Bradbury, author of Emotional Intelligence 2.0, frames the research. He indicated that 90% of top leaders are high in emotional intelligence, while only 20% of bottom performers are emotionally intelligent. The numbers suggest that you can be a poor leader and still possess emotional intelligence, but the numbers are against you. In addition, they tell us that you are not likely to be a top leader without emotional intelligence. Cultivating emotional intelligence, or EQ, can absolutely be done, and understanding the basics of the four domains is a great start. These definitions are adapted by Daniel Goleman and come from Leadership 2.0 by Bradbury and Graves, 2012. Self-awareness, the ability to accurately perceive your emotions in the moment and understand your tendencies across situations. Self-management, using awareness of your emotion to stay flexible and direct your behavior positively. This means managing your emotional reactions to situations and people. Social awareness, the ability to accurately pick up on other people's emotions and understand what is really going on with them. Relationship management, using awareness of your emotions and those of others to manage interactions successfully. As you consider these four domains, it is important to understand that each of us is strong in particular areas and the key is to grow them as all as leaders. Because we are capable of fooling ourselves or in our understanding of our own skills, I suggest sitting down with a trusted friend, colleague, or companion and talk through the reality of how you might be rocking or struggling in any of these areas in all aspects of your full life. Of course, if we cannot regulate ourselves, it seems that would be nearly impossible to manage others. So if you're struggling with self-awareness, with regulation, that sounds like the powerful space to start learning. To lead others well means leading yourself well, and focusing here with an intention will serve your leadership now and beyond in the challenging times in significant ways. Here's a quote. The most effective leaders are all alike in one crucial way. They all have a high degree of what has come to be known as emotional intelligence. It's not that IQ and technical skills are irrelevant. They do matter, but they are the entry-level requirements for executive positions. That's by Daniel Goleman. A couple of ideas to share. Be a thermostat. One of my favorite analogies when I think about a highly emotional intelligent leader is one who can be a thermostat, not merely a thermometer. I first heard of this analogy during a particularly challenging time in my life during a sermon at church. In it, our pastor at the time blew my mind open with a simple analogy that relates to so many aspects of school leadership, and I realized that one of the largest sources of frustration at that time was feeling like the temperature of our climate was running really hot or frigid with the regulation, and that consistent feeling of instability was leaving me feeling drained. 
it occurred to me at that time that I needed to install new batteries into my own thermostat and get to work on regulating. When it comes to, um, to talking about this analogy deeper into Goldman's domains, we can understand that there's a role for gauging both the temperature of yourself and a room. Awareness is critical to effectively understand what emotion is really occurring, but simply marking the temperature is only half the equation. The strongest leaders can set the temperature for themselves as well as that of a space and adjust when the air gets too hot or too cold. Thermostats are regulators, and they keep the temperature at a desired level through action. For practical application of this analogy, think back on your week where emotions were present, jot them down, and label whether you were, your part in these examples would be classified as thermometer, gauging, or thermostat, regulating. From there, create a list of ideas, ideal thermostat behaviors you would like to be able to demonstrate regularly both for yourself and in relationships. And finally, practice being mindful in moments and charge with emotion and work on thermostat behaviors. Another opportunity would be to release before you unleash. Develop a list of strategies that you know will work for you to release pressure that may be building up inside of you in a healthy way so you can reduce the odds you will unleash on others. I firmly believe in the power of proactive self-care for this. Do not make self-care an event. Rather, infuse proactive self-care into each day to keep the gradual release occurring daily. Need a few ideas? Journaling, meditation, boundary setting, affirmations, and daily gratitude exercises are all great starts. And finally, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 would be a really great resource to start with. It is by Bradbury and Graves. It provides an assessment for you to take, and then the book walks you through the domains with specific strategies for increasing your competencies in all the EQ quadrants. All right, my friends, that was my blog post. I hope that it served you. And remember to check out Brené Brown's most recent Unlocking Us, where they talk about completing a stress cycle, much of what I talked about here with being able to manage and regulate your own emotions. I will be sure to link those in the podcast. And I hope that you have an awesome week and hope this message jolted you to try to serve yourself in this space, my friends. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you listener checking out this jolt episode. Hey, I want to see what you're seeing in the world. So hop on over to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you want and pop out a quick sentence or a picture or something that inspired you this week. Let's let's share with one another, show the community what you're seeing with your eyes to see the beauty in the world. Hashtag in awe to rise.